right. Hello. How's everybody doing? Welcome to the Share Prosperity Podcast, episode number two. This is a podcast about poverty and prosperity distilled and discussed with guests working to address issues that block or unlock people's opportunity to thrive, prosper, and exit poverty. I'm your host, Kevin Ford, coordinator for the City of Kalamazoo Share Prosperity Kalamazoo Initiative, normally joined by my colleague, Melody Dakin, neighborhood business and special projects coordinator for the city, but due to some family obligations, uh, she's not able to join us today, so I'll be rolling solo. Fortunately, we got a guest on the show today. It's going, it's, I'm excited about this, to say the least. Um, our guest today is here to help us unpack some of the intersections between criminal justice system, mass incarceration, poverty, and prosperity, right? So let's hop into it with the intro, right? Guest we have today is an activist, organizer, and a community leader. Currently a community engagement coordinator for Isaac. Is that right, too? Yes. Yes. Isaac, lead mentor, co-director, head of community relations for Speak It Forward, where he works with mentoring youth, a lead criminal justice reform organizer for Michigan United for the west side of the state. Correct? Yeah. The, the west side of the state. I'm telling you, we got heavy hitters on the on the show. West side of the state, creator and moderator for Truth Talks through the Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation Initiative out of Kalamazoo Community Foundation. Public speaker, he's spoken across the country, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., Chicago. Also an artist, a hip-hop heavyweight with numerous albums. Don't sleep, share prosperity, fam. We'll get it twisted. Still, still rocking the mic, strong as ever. Visual artist, spoken word poet entrepreneur and business owner and soon to be author now i know y'all thinking this dude is lying he can't be doing all that <laughs> but this is the thing as the elders used to tell us this dude is not letting any grass grow under his feet i'm, I'm serious he's doing this he's doing all this stuff right well and so steel city's finest from eighth and louisiana kalamazoo's adopted son my comrade in the struggle for justice and equality, an individual I'm proud to call my brother, the one, the onlyest, Ed Genesis is in the building. That's right. What's up? What's up? Yeah. Uh, man, I really, I really appreciate that, bro. especially coming from you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And I want to say, I want to get this out the way before we get anything heavy. Yeah. Um, give you your flowers right now. Uh, we known each other over a quarter century and i have to say i'm i'm truly honored humbled and it's, it's been a pleasure to see the evolution the evolution and the growth i mean you're a global citizen taxpayer <laughs> solid solid um community leader husband father you know it's and like i said i think it's safe to say we both identify as, as knuckleheads in recovery. The the stories and experiences we got together, that's a whole nother show. Um, but but to see it in real time, to witness it in real time, and and be in contact with you in relationship with you through through all the the triumphs and tribulations, man, it's is it's been an honor. You have and continue to influence how I move 
and travel about in this world and how I engage folks, man. And Thank I just want to, I, I just want to give it up to you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And, and it's the feeling is mutual. Um, like seriously, um, just from the guy that showed me how to, um, <laughs> go in and get a checking account. Um, you know, I knew how to get a regular bank account, but I'm like, I, I think I'm supposed to be stepping it up. Um, from, from that guy to the first one out of the crew that was like, it's time to grow up and get uh, my own place to stay in a car. And having that, um, you, you've been a constant inspiration and motivation in my life as well. So I, I definitely appreciate it. It's an honor even being here, sharing this space with my brother um, about something so serious though. So thank you. Yeah, no doubt. So the first thing we wanna, we wanna get into we want to get into with all our guests is on this podcast with students of systems thinking and understanding, you know, context, connections, patterns, and perspectives that go into that. Uh, it's never just one thing with guests as it, it's never just one thing with systems. It's multidimensional. It's, it's many perspectives that go into that. And we want to get into who is Ed Genesis? Now I've been I've had the pleasure of being in spaces with you where you've spoken publicly. You always say, I'm Ed Genesis. Immediately following, you say, and I'm from Gary, Indiana. Born and raised Gary, Indiana. That's right. And so for our I share prosperity family out there yeah. that may not understand. I've been to Gary with you. So I I got a feel for what you're talking about. But but you when you say that. In these spaces, you and when you say that, you say it and you convey it in a way that is more than just a statement of fact. And Absolutely. I want to give, I, I want to allow space for you to just give folks like a flavor and a texture of, of what that really means when you, when you say that. Because again, the context in terms of where Air Genesis is at, the work that he does. It, it can't Gary Indiana is a major character in this story. That's right. And so you, you can't really take that out of context. Yeah. And so just giving folks a, a idea and a flavor of like when you say that what that means and how, how deep it runs. Okay, uh thank you for that. Um it's multi layered and, and that's one of the main reasons why I always start a conversation off with uh I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Um, so Gary, um, when I was coming up in, in the seventies, um, so it was predominantly black and there's two sides. So you have one side that's rich in black culture, um, mentioned by George Clinton in parliament, as far as one of the chocolate cities, um, one of two major cities in America to have, um, one of the first two to have a black mayor, mm -hmm. um, Mayor Richard Gordon Hatcher. Um, we had, that's all I ever knew growing up was black pride, um, black business owners. And we also have an extreme um, poverty. And when you look at why, that's what begins the multi-layer. So just growing up, you did, I didn't see that, 
growing up, everybody seemed to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, um, lamps in the front yard, grass cut, uh, candy store here. Um, you know, the woman at the church makes dresses for the, you know, it, it was just rich in community. But as things start changing, specifically one of the major um, changes in any inner city was crack. Uh, actually, let me back up. Rust Belt cities is something that I learned when I got grown, but yeah. I didn't know when I was younger. So Gary has the steel mill, and it had one of the biggest steel mills in the United States once upon a time. And this um, bolstered jobs for uh, especially a lot of the blacks who migrated from the South. Mm-hmm. Um, the collapse of the steel mill came with the collapse of the black middle class. Yep. So the people who um, did not have college education and things to fall back on, but were able to have uh, a paid-for house, two houses in a garage, um, the white picket fence, the, the so-called American dream collapsed. Right. And and this happened all across America, Muskegon, Flint, um, Buffalo, Pitt- New York. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Gary is no exception. Um it's just where I happen to grow up. And so you have both sides. You have a sense of pride and a sense of your people and connectiveness. And then you have long bouts of men laid off. Um, you know, the struggle, the struggle became real. And, and it's also the place where my father was uh, killed when I was two. And, um, by by off-duty police officers um, with non-registered police guns. And even though I was not told the story growing up, other than he was killed wrong place at the wrong time, there was still a sense of, um, I don't want to say fear, but I would say like tension, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that played that part with law enforcement. And then another... Uh, another part of my story that's not isolated to just me was being raised by primarily uh, black women. So this, this began um, the story in Gary, Indiana. So that that's the Gary background. Yeah. That's pretty clear on, um, I guess. And then, well, I would have to lift up. We had what they call gang violence. um, And then, crime right um, when you so, have poverty you have exactly so a lot of we want to we want to hone in on on these systems pieces because and, and and tread lightly in terms of not reinforcing uh, narratives that that don't help in terms of eliminate poverty um increasing prosperity and so a lot of times at least it's been my experience and observation you in these rooms and you tell folks about yourself and I've had this happen, tell folks about myself, you know, you reveal some things and you are held up as the exception. Hmm. Right. And, and basically they don't say this, but essentially the, the argument is, well, you, you did all right. What's, what's wrong with the rest of the black people Mm -hmm. where you come from? And that's, that's very toxic narrative uh in terms of 
the the systems that create the conditions in which we emerge, right? And the light shouldn't be on the exception, but the the rule, right? And so for every for every one air genesis, you know, is is probably three or four more that never see the light of day, right? A- absolutely. And then also just just to expand on that thought, um, if if listeners can picture in their mind, um, anytime somebody has suggested anything like that to me, the image that has popped in my mind instantly from the first time to even when you just said it now, Kev, Kev was I didn't make it out unscathed um, for one, right, and so. Um, Talking to a person with um, that's blind in one eye and missing limbs, and then asking why somebody else isn't here f- at all, is like, do you see me? Do you do you see? Is mm. yeah, that's that 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 makes me emotional, honestly, because I I didn't make it out. I I physically made it out but i didn't i didn't make it out of that right and and it's it's like the the conditions changed yeah yeah the conditions changed but it's like you say it's a lot it's a it's a lot that goes into that yeah that bothers me um i i get it because i get that people they don't really know what it is um but you don't forget for one and I had no idea what trauma was, so that's a whole nother. Um, that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother, yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. But but again, you know, we have, you know, we have folks from the outside looking in, and they may look at, you know, certain individuals, or look at, I should say, on the individual level, as opposed to the systems level. Um, it, folks within our own uh, black community, you know, may carry that narrative forward. And I know I've been in plenty of rooms where that's the case. Like, well, yeah, yeah I grew up in the hood and I'm, I'm straight. Pull you yourself know. up by your own bootstraps. Yeah. Or that's a, that's a racist mind state. Yeah. Or the, the toughen like, well, I, I came from the hood or the projects or whatever. And, you know, it toughened me up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, when you reflect upon it, and again, zoom out at the systems level. At least I think in my mind, it's, it's a plethora of ways you could have gathered like resilience and strength, but the, those conditions should have never existed there in the go. first place. There you go. You know, the yeah. conditions, those conditions should have never existed in the first place where it was such a high concentration of, of black folks, you know, struggling financially you know, to, to have to create those type of opportunities that weren't equally given. And so, again, I've only, I come to this realization upon reflection. You know, we were young at, at one time and, you know, it's nothing I'm proud of, but I fed into a lot of that, that BS. But, yeah, as we reflect and cope in this stage of the journey with the various traumas and, and whatnot, it's like, man... Yeah, the the individual level is not uh, as big as as the systems level when you zoom out. It, yeah, like you know, I'm 
I had to gather myself behind that. And, I, and you know, I, I hate being the, because um, I'm not the ex- exception to anything. I've messed up multiple times as a result of thinking um, some of the things that I was taught was right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I just want to pose. Um, so anybody, anybody, any race locked in the kitchen um, for longer than 90 days. And we're not talking about um, 400 years and generationally. We're just talking about that individual locked in the kitchen for over 90 days. Creativity starts to fade when you realize you're being um, like almost held against your will. Mm-hmm. When, when the re- realization comes in, and it hit me as a young man of where I was at in Gary, Indiana, but not having the choice to move yeah. or change my conditions. We can take responsibility and accountability for being quote unquote knuckleheads, but we also have to ask how long do the children sit in church before they start acting up? How long will will one be um, locked in the kitchen? before they don't want to make a sandwich anymore. They don't want to just look out the window. Um, now they start doing different things. Some things could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Some, some things could be just to twiddle their fingers just so time goes. But yeah. after a while, you look, you realize that I'm not doing anything productive because no matter what I do, whether I clean up, whether I wash the windows, whether I iron, whether I stand here, all day, I can't get out of the kitchen. Right. And that has been uh, a burden on a lot of people to know that no matter what I do, this doesn't change mm-hmm. overnight, so to speak. Yeah. Now, we have learned to just keep going because that's the only way we can change ge- generationally um, what we have been up against. But right. so many people feel like, why Why should I? Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was true with voting and a lot of other things. Yeah, and it's still strong. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still a strong aspect to a positive movement, especially when you layer the the historical information and the extremes, for lack of a better term, that have been put into place via systems to to throw barriers up. And in and in some cases, just flat out eliminate black people from from being basically first class citizens in this country. And so, I like the idea that you lifted up in terms of the kitchen because that segues that segues perfectly into you know the main reason you hear in terms of like criminal justice reform and like you you cut your teeth in that area with mass incarceration and. Listening to you just just made me think about incarceration, right? We both directly affected. Uh, we need, we've never been to prison, but we've been to um, county jail and other type of lockups. And even though we haven't been to prison on paper, the folk, the systems don't separate us from folks that have. Absolutely. Right? We've both been in, uh, incarcerated for nonviolent offenses for a short amount of time. But like I said, through the lens of a system, Man, they don't 
discriminate against us or some nonviolent person that's been in prison for years, yeah. right? It's like we all lumped together. Yeah. And so, again, that's a great segue in, into, like, it. let the people know, like, what is mass incarceration? I Absolutely. know people know what incarceration is, jail, prison, et cetera. But mass incarceration is, is specific. Absolutely. Uh, well, mass incarceration is simply uh, America makes up just 5% of the nation's population, but makes up an alarming almost 26% of incarcerated people. And out of those incarcerated people, we know that black and brown men specifically are disproportionately incarcerated. Yeah. But mass incarceration, sadly, in America suggests that anybody, um, senior citizens, youth, um, anybody can get locked up. And just real fast to speak to what you said about on, on paper, it doesn't matter. More sadly is the 13th Amendment doesn't care how we were incarcerated. Whether you were in a halfway house, jail, prison, if you are incarcerated, meaning awarded to the state, you are therefore a slave because slavery was abolished except for if you are incarcerated and have been convicted of a crime. So it doesn't say um, if you've been convicted of a crime and sent to prison. If you've been convicted of a crime and the state has any type of uh, jurisdiction over your freedom, and that could be parole, probation, halfway house or anything, it's all uh, contributing to mass incarceration, especially if you have a felony. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. And that encompasses literally millions of yeah. of, of people um, in the United States of America, yeah. um, like you said, over-representation of black and brown people, yes. particularly uh, black males, and how how that intersects in terms of, of poverty. So it's something that came from um, the Prison Policy Initiative. This was a, a research. It was around 2015, but it's well documented that uh, prison and incarceration um, can hinder being in, in uh, achieving prosperity, right? So, you know, folks that come out of contact with criminal justice system without job training, education, money is the perfect storm for recidivism, reincarceration. What this study looked at using Bureau of Justice uh, statistics was the incomes of folks before they were locked up, mm -hmm. right? So in short, it's an argument could be made that prison causes poverty. Um, however, this research said is basically saying, you know, poverty causes folks to go to lock up. Absolutely. I, I went to a training some years ago when I was um, first coming into organizing and we learned, um, we, we had to take one of those courses on the, uh, what was it? The broken windows project. Mm -hmm. And I, like at the end of it, the the black people who were in the room looking at one another, like, are you kidding me? Like you needed a study to say, and and for those who don't know, um, 
briefly, the study suggested that if you parked uh, a car in a um, already a, a neighborhood that's already directly impacted by poverty or crime, um, that the car will be vandalized even more. If you if you break the window on the car and leave it there on the side of the road, what could potentially happen to the car? Um, I know what would happen to the car where I come from, but I didn't think people needed a study right. to figure this out. Um, and there was money put into this to figure it out to figure out and this was done like before I had ever been in trouble before so I would have thought that they figured this out and maybe I wouldn't have had to get in any trouble because anybody who looked at where I was born and raised would it doesn't suggest that I have to be in trouble but you have to ask the question were the resources there to make sure you didn't get in trouble right because those it's, weren't there yeah then, it's math. It's yeah. math, not magic. So statistics, yeah. probability, if if there's nothing else, you know, it's a higher likelihood. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. that, you know, some people don't feel their time, doing they, especially youth. And they call them high-risk youth, which is wrong right now because it's like to, like, what is that? Like, mm -hmm. so you know their circumstances. Yeah. And this is, yeah, so this is what we have to why we're having these type of conversations because people know that you can be at risk. Yeah, but there's nothing in place to, or very little in place. People are working and doing a lot more now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, so I mean, it's well documented um, for folks that may be unaware of uh, the connections between you know incarceration and poverty, and then there's another. Uh, resource we plan to have in the episode notes, but this is from the Brennan Center for Justice, which is a nonpartisan law and policy institute, and they released a report uh, actually last year, 2020, conviction, imprisonment, and lost earnings. How involvement with the criminal justice system deepens inequality, right? Mm -hmm. And they got a whole report. And I wanna highlight a couple things from it. It's, they got a fact sheet and then they got a report accompanying the fact sheet. But wanna highlight some things and, and kind of you know let you unpack it based on your experiences um, organizing within this realm. But People experiencing poverty are more likely to be in prison, right? This leads to uh, folks that have been in prison are frequently overlooked by employers. And this causes uh, them to struggle to achieve financial stability. So this is straight from that fact sheet and you can see a visual and it's literally a circle, like it's a vicious cycle, right? People experiencing poverty are more likely to be in prison. It says in prison, but that could be in prison locked up because right. you don't necessarily have to uh, go to prison but more likely to be in prison or have some contact with criminal justice system and, uh, and when you get that jacket again we both know about this when you get that jacket um it is increasingly difficult to access employment yeah. and again 
like like the elders used to tell us, you know, you don't work, you don't eat. So what, you know, what what opportunities and, and choices do folks have? And so that's one thing from that fact sheet. This is the one that kind of had me lost for a minute. I had to I had to process this again straight from uh, this Brennan report. Black people with no criminal record earn less than socioeconomically similar white people with a record. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And black people without a record is 39,000. White people with a record, 49,000. Like, yeah. yeah, that's... I can see that. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it is crazy, but that also suggests that a lot of times, um, so I found, um, and I don't, I don't want to just make a blanket statement, but um, I'm going to. Um, in the white culture, a lot of times the mistakes are looked at as simply that. Um, and so your record is just a part of, oh, you were immature at the time, you were... Uh, there's a list of Hollywood actors that have, uh, um, in, in, including Matthew Broderick, uh, uh, who actually killed somebody, uh, or or um, Tim Allen, um, who was arrested here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and has a, a, a drug case, uh, a large one, but it's considered their past. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes in black and brown culture, um, it's a, it goes back to that kitchen. And it goes back to you broke out of the kitchen long enough uh, to get some fresh air to go spray paint on the garage next door. And when we catch you, you go back to the kitchen. Like, so getting out of prison, getting out of jail, getting out of a halfway house is to return back to the same exact community or, or um, conditions with lack of resources and things like that that helped. Uh, perpetuate you getting in trouble in the first place and and just to speak to that um i don't i don't think having less than makes a person break the law mm-hmm. i think capitalism is at the top of the, if i was writing a story it would start with capitalism and it would say well where we live was built off free labor and so because we're driven by capitalism one has to wonder how do you um, keep that free labor going? But if slavery doesn't exist, well, we find that loophole again in the 13th Amendment that says, well, we, we are able to still have slaves. And major corporations to this day use prison labor to um, expand their corporations and, and a lot of other things. So now we have to ask the question of, what's some of the things that people are actually going to prison for? Um, Once once upon a time during the so-called war on drugs, a lot of people went to prison for using drugs before they figured that out. And it's so that circle, a a lot of it drives the fact that prisons make big money when people, uh, prisons and other corporations make a lot of money. And if you can keep something like that going, 
at the expense of the biggest resource in it, in North America, which would be human beings working. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's definitely lack of education, um, all under poverty, which all under capitalism. Can't have po- poverty without capitalism. <laughs> yeah, we, we had Sakia Lee from The Promise on the first episode talking about education and uh, poverty and prosperity. And yeah, education and employment surefire ways to keep to get people out of poverty and keep them out of poverty. But uh, again, there's so much under that. Yeah. And and so it's so much nuance in terms of barriers um to to fully accessing those type of things um that that really contributes to again some of the intersections with these other systems. So then you can still go to jail. I just want to add that in. You can have education. <laughs> yes. Good job. And yes. You can still go to jail. You can still go to jail, which which it brings up, we won't get into it in this episode, but it, it brings up um, the, the elephant in the room in terms of racism and it, just how, you know, how that, how that can dominate in terms of no, no matter the system or space as it relates to folks on the receiving end of, of some of these systems, right? I'm currently reading The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein which talks about the federal, state, and local, uh, and private sector, you know, to your point of capitalism, um, the, the complicity and the connections between those actors in terms of keeping black people out of access and housing outside of the, the black community, right? And just, it wasn't that long ago, but again, it's documented. It's historical. It happened. And in many ways, it's, it's, it continues to happen. And just to think, again, think about all the things, you know, you saw growing up, I saw growing up. And again, as we reflect, you know, we we able to, to view all of that through a new lens now because largely, you know, not having to go through that stuff. But when you reflect upon and then start connecting the dots, it's like, oof. This is, this runs deep. (laughs) And especially when you say the intersections with, I want to make sure, um, so poverty, when when we speak, uh, and I want to say again, there would be no poverty without capitalism. So we're really talking about capitalism and those who have access and those who don't. and when you feel like you don't have access and the only spot we're in is in the kitchen and the only way the food comes in is through this little slide in the window, um, it's, it's only, it's human nature to try to come up with not other ways. Um, there's survival that kicks yeah. in yeah. and you, you tend not to care about the same laws that some people uphold because you not that you feel like you're above them but you feel like they don't they cannot matter to us because look at where i live like yeah that's what i thought growing up um they there's a documented serial killer um named alton coleman Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. who they didn't catch when I was growing up right away. And I remember this just being talked about, like, be careful. He's still on the loose. And it was like, you when you grow up and you feel unsafe in the environment that yeah. you're growing up in and you hear um, adults tell you, um, don't talk to strangers. These are people in your community. And then you hear why you're not supposed to talk to strangers because people will come into your community, snatch you out, and a lot of other things. The more you feel unsafe, the more you have to ask the question of, how was this allowed to happen so much here that I'm warned constantly not to go over here, not to go around that street, yeah. not to get in the car with this person? Do they see us? Right. Do they care? Yeah. Once you start asking that question, it, it becomes the survival kicks in where we have to look out for self. We have to be worried about this. We have to be worried about that. And then to to escape the ills of what capitalism produces, which is poverty, one will do almost anything when you feel like the environment around you does not provide that resource. And everybody will say, well, you should get a job. But the idea is I want to get out of here one day. And if I subject myself to another, I already had to go to church here, school here, and everything else. If I subject myself to one more thing here, mm-hmm. then I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I'm not speaking for everybody, and I don't mean to generalize, but I have felt like that. Like, how do I make it out? And unless you give a big heave hole sometimes, like the cartoons used to say, to the moon or bus, right. there was no in-between. It was like, yeah. I, I'm going here. Yeah, that's that That's that that's old, old 50 cent. Get rid of die trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, man, yeah. we ain't playing. It's, it's no middle ground. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we both we both hip-hop babies and hip-hop fans. So, quoting from that is just, it's just second nature. But yeah. not just that. It makes me think of a line from um, from uh, from Scarface, from, from the Ghetto Boys. He said, you wonder what we learned while we've been trapped here. We figured out how to adapt how here. How to adapt here, yeah. You know, That's and right. so it's it's just a lot into that, yeah. when you, especially Point when you- Point of no return. Yeah, yeah, especially when you talk about, quote, unquote, getting out. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's, it's not that, that folks want to leave where they came up around or the people that helped shape them and mold them, right? And the, and the folks that got- love for them but like you said you know you want freedom you want autonomy you want freedom of mobility freedom of thought uh freedom to take advantage of opportunities a lot of time we just don't see that and and what you said in terms of safety this is when you speaking in terms of your own community but then that's extended beyond yeah. for instance you know it's like it could be a white neighborhood it's like yo don't go over there and I know for a fact, because we both got mutual friends from uh, Chicago area. And uh, the, the history is, is well documented in terms of racialized segregation in uh, Chicago area. And, and uh, you know, our friends, you know, they'll let you know. It's like, yo, it was clear. Don't go over there. Yeah. If you black, don't go over there. Because yeah. it may not end well. Yeah. And the police will not help you. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. 
I also want to lift up, we're talking about mass incarceration, and I gave the backdrop about poverty, high crime, lack of resources, uh, my father being killed. Um, but what I didn't mention was in search for a better life and escaping that, my mother moved us to Kalamazoo in the middle of the night with everything that we had, um, four or five garbage bags full of our clothes, and I was set to start the school year. I wasn't here a year um, before being uh, assaulted by police officers and charged with my first felony for resisting or obstructing an officer, and I yanked away. I didn't. I was not under arrest. Uh, I was just being quote unquote detained, and I wondered why. And that that started something. So we have to be mindful of that too, especially the culture shock of me coming from predominantly black city to a city that was um, not that not not that at all. Yeah. Um, but then like. The reason why I brought it up is because it's those things that we mentioned that's not considered when you think about mass incarceration. So there was no father in my life. I was brand new to the town. I was not under arrest, quote unquote. And so I had a question like any normal person would was like, well, why are you grabbing me then? Mm -hmm. Um. And then not knowing that you could be charged for resisting obstructing officer, which is a felony, and it doesn't have to accompany another. It, you would think just by hearing resisting arrest that you're resisting an actual arrest. But right. That becomes a charge within itself. Yeah. So I, I was not charged with any other crimes other than resisting an, an arrest, which I was technically not under arrest. But exactly. the minute I yanked away, these things as a 17-year-old that still carries that and my other two felonies with me, maybe not the officer because maybe that's not their job, um, especially considering that they started as um, historically as slave catchers and then went into a different form of law enforcement. Um and that's no way to bash anybody that has the profession of, especially public safety in Kalamazoo, where they literally put their lives on the line a lot of times. But for a 17-year-old young man who did not know, mm -hmm. I don't think that was felony warranted, right. especially knowing how it has con contributed to me uh, struggling to find not only employment, but housing for my family 20-plus yes. years later. Yeah. That's ridiculous, and that that's the that's a part of mass incarceration and the criminal justice system that I think needs a lot of um, a lot of eyes on it to the the school to prison pipeline and just right trying to really talk to the youth to or to at least understand what conditions are you coming from. This does not make excuses, right? But it makes it a little more fair. As far as equity, well, maybe you shouldn't have to do, you know, um, probation and get a felony for, you know, young right. Away. And that's that's a system level thing because yeah. it, it considers what you what you're saying is it considers context. 
Yes. Like what right. is what is what is the context here, right? And and again, taking that into account, um, because it's not in. Yeah, I don't know um, a whole lot about uh, the criminal justice reform work, but I know in the, in the state of Michigan, we have an abysmal policy around locking up youth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Age of reason is seven years old. Yeah, and we 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 have been known to lock up youth for a long time, and so you have to consider the context of things, um, and again some other factors that should go into that. And again, when we're talking about systems, even with what you describe, again my understanding from conversations with you and others in the community, uh, the prosecutor still has some leeway. That's right. Right. So the the officer, even like you said, you may not have been under arrest, but when it when it got to that point, um, it's it's like because it, it, it's levels to the system. It's like it, it changed hands. So yeah. okay, yeah, I remember this officer. They, we went through this process, but then now I'm I'm in front of somebody with a suit, and they telling me something else. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's all type of. Of, of nuances and elements to to criminal justice system as it is with other systems um that we could start to look at like you said to to start to improve i want to say this especially for anybody listening prosecutors have unchecked power so once they're elected um you're absolutely right once that hits their desk they can choose to go forward or choose to say no we're not going to Whatever way they choose, nobody but the public, if we don't like it, we don't elect them next following election time. But um, other than that, there's here in Kalamazoo, we're working on prosecutorial accountability, mm-hmm. um, which is is new. It's a way of like co-governing. But other than that, there's uh, prosecutors are all nationwide have a, um, a unchecked power once mm-hmm. they get in. So that. Yeah, that was great that you brought that part up. Yeah, and they, if I'm correct, are elected. Yes. Right. So, again, always trying to highlight systems-level stuff on Share Prosperity Podcast um, that intersects with um, electoral politics, voting. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying it's true, but maybe provide some insight as to know why some of these elected officials are trying so hard to repress voting rights mm-hmm. right and so you know having a position of unchecked power um you know it could it, it could lead to some unfortunate things and so again being folks being active and you can vote with a felony yeah in michigan yeah in michigan you, yes. you can yeah. but again yeah. we got what 50 states and uh, you know, God help you if you if you got a felony in Florida. But loaded Mason Dixie line, it's a fight. Yeah, it's a it's a real fight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, looking at these things, you know, connecting the dots um, is is one of the, the the real aspects of systems thinking. And this is this is where it's at. You mentioned school to prison pipeline. There was a, a blog from Vivian. Nixon, executive director of the College and Community Fellowship uh, from 2018, the new pipeline, Poverty to Prison. Hmm. So, you know, and, sh- and she's highlighted things 
uh, that we've lifted up, it's like if if you if you come from poverty, it's a higher likelihood you will have some interaction. Yeah, and it's even higher in terms of the um, the the prison system in particular, right? And so, um, and I witnessed this firsthand. So you know, my second felony, I was looking at two years incarceration. And I, I believe, I, don't, I can't say this concretely, but I believe it's because of my age. I was under 21 because I had a few guys, uh, exact same circumstance. They were well over 21, and they both went to prison for two years, right? You're on probation. I mean, you're on probation, you get caught with a concealed uh, weapon. It's like instant two years, right? I, I didn't get that, but they did. Um, and so... You know, a lot of what you said, it just makes me think. It's like, okay, you come from circumstances and conditions where the odds are against you already. Then you get in there. Then, as you said, it's been decades since acquisition of your felonies, but still, it's rubbing against the housing system. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I thought I paid my debt. I, I thought I was clear, you know. <laughs> from mentoring. On, on that. Yeah, it it impacted me going into the schools. Mm -hmm. a, a lot, just a lot of different things um, that didn't offer real rehabilitation. It's it's strictly on paper. On paper, same way you said in the beginning of this. On paper, we're the same as anybody who did like twenty five years. Yeah, um, and that's how they play you. Yeah, um, I, I want to say this forever. It's a scarlet letter. Absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, here we go. Check this out. Um, when I was when this was explained to me at a training years ago, and I said it back the way I'm finna share it now, I just remember the room being quiet, and this was the way I I understood. So when you said um, poverty to prison, mm -hmm. so there's a movie with Kevin Costner called Field of Dreams, mm -hmm. and they say if you build it, they will come. And in anything that you build, we have to have um, investors, um, surveyors who survey the land. Yeah. You have to know that it's not going to sink. Yeah. Um, it stands up, can withstand the different things. But most importantly, if it's open for business, we want to know the traffic. Yeah. Um, if it's a hotel, who are we catering to? Right. If it's a restaurant, who are we catering yeah. to? The same exact things go into building a prison. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like having a lump in my throat the first time. And it makes total sense, but you don't think about it like this sometimes. But it's like people go out and they spend this money with the expectations that they can fill these beds. Yeah. If we build a concert hall, restaurant, anything, there's a certain demographic of who we want in there. Um do we want A-list celebrities if we're building a concert hall? Right. Or are we just building something for um, independent folks. and local artists? Yeah. yeah. Prisons. Do we want... White collar. Exactly. Uh, Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pale males. Or, yeah. you know. Or do you want, yeah, um, inner city, black and brown. And the recidivism rate amongst black and brown... Um, says that this is where your money is you 
you you're bound to get a 17 year old like me yeah with without a father coming from the inner city inner city who will yank away from you and then will violate probation right within that two years yeah um and you got you got me in there you you got so many people to where the the expectations of you filling this bed is 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 um almost a it's predictable. Yeah. And they can literally, you know, um bank on it. Yeah, and that that's sad. That yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's a literally sad, bank on that's it. That's yeah. a sad state of affairs, man. Um so when you when you look at it like that, that we have to be for real with it, it, one can only ask the question, um, is our society, our community, our state contributing to poverty, the crime rate, and sending our 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 own citizens mm-hmm. to be incarcerated. And the answer is yes. It, we we sending young men to grow up in prisons. If you can't figure it out, get out of school and go here and they'll help you figure it out. And when you come home, we'll treat you like how you said with the scarlet letter that shows right. you couldn't figure it out in society. And then you have to come back that's why I got emotional earlier because it's like I don't feel like I made it out of nothing. I right. I got nightmares and stuff still. That's like, and I have thoughts that makes me say, "Wow, that wasn't right." Yeah, and nobody said anything or did anything. Yeah, my expectations is not. I'm not even supposed to be here. And uh, the policies, it's policies yeah. that go Absolutely. like you said. You you build a day will come. That's you talked a lot about physical infrastructure, but it's policy building, That's right. policy infrastructure that goes to support That's a right. lot of that. And that, that makes me, I want to read this quote and, and hear your reaction to it as it relates to that in the, in the policies. So this is Bruce Western is the Bryce professor of sociology and social justice and co-director of the justice lab at Columbia University, and he suggests that, and I quote, neither the police nor the courts nor the threat of punishment create public safety. Instead, establishing and maintaining bonds of community produced by families, schools, employers, and churches, and other community organizations reduces crime and creates public safety. Now, I ran across that who's like, okay, boom, mic drop. The reason why is imagine taking that that ethos as a community and what policies created behind that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I I totally, uh, I dig that, uh, for one, because, yeah, it's never been the threat of... um, you and I hung out and did a lot of stuff um, that I don't have to elaborate on, on on this platform, but I can say it could have landed us in a lot of hot water, so to speak. Um, it could have landed us in prison. Yeah, absolutely. You could have went to prison. Yeah. Period. For but years. The, the thought, that's not what made us, yeah, that, especially with me, I, I remember saying, like, that that wasn't a deterrent. No. For me. But 
my my great aunt um, was more of a deterrent than me being in jail. The look on her face, right, and her saying, "I told you if they get you in this system, it was going to be hard to get out," made me feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. That that went a long, a way longer way than um, yeah. So yeah. Um, coming together as community, people that you really look to or look up to as ancestors, those are the people you don't want to let down. An uh, officer that doesn't even uh, overstand or or even understand some of the things you went through telling you if I got to come back over here, you're going to jail, doesn't feel the same. Right, yeah. right. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um. Yeah. And in, in some cases, not all, but in some cases, and again, I'm speaking from experience and, and observation, because of those other contributing factors, it, it's almost like, like folks want to rebel. And yeah, like you say that absolutely. and folks be like, man, okay, you know what? I don't care about what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you. And again, we know that that doesn't contribute to positive outcomes, but again, you got all these other factors. It's like, yeah, I'm going to just rebel against what you say just flat out. They, Yeah, they don't explain to you. And when I say they, uh, the the rebels without causes, so to speak, yeah. in the neighborhood, they don't explain what fighting against the system is necessarily. They just say fight against it. And so that can be anything from derogatory um, words toward law enforcement to um, walking out of a classroom to anything that's like I'm not for authority telling mm-hmm. me nothing. Yeah. Um, but I myself speaking personally, nobody told me the power of voting. Mm-hmm. And that wait a minute, you can vote with a felony in Michigan, and one in two. Let me take that back. One in three black men I know have been to prison. In Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. two and three black men I know have a felony. That's not a generalization. That is my truth of the people that I know. Yeah. Um, no matter how far removed, they end up telling me that, yes, I was convicted of a felony at this time. And it's like, wow, uh, that's two out of three black men that I know. Mm-hmm. When you when you take that and you say... Um, That's a lot of people, and we know what mass incarceration is. What if these people were the the key people that made sure, if you didn't vote for nobody else, if all of these people said, I'm voting for the prosecutor, that's a way of building power within itself and also educating, not telling the youth um, a prison ain't that bad or you ain't do no time. You only did two years, man. I did 10. Right. Um, but actually coming back and saying, do you know that the 13th Amendment allowed for you and me to be slaves while we were awarded to the state? This is a way that we can build our power back by going to vote for the prosecutor that we want in there so this doesn't happen to us again or nobody else mm-hmm. within our community, family. And that's one of the ways of fighting back against the system that doesn't take um, derogatory messages. It takes like standing up and being accounted for. But right. they don't tell you that. So no. <laughs> the sense of rebelliousness comes back with just 
yelling out an expletive and taking off running sometimes and you feel like you did something. Yeah. Uh, but the first time I voted, I that's a different feeling. That's a way different, feeling. A different it's feeling. It's like, yeah, I got a voice. Yeah. yeah. And you you could you could connect that. It's I mean, when you when you think about the history and, and how, you know, folks have struggled for uh, blacks to be able to vote. You you could connect with the history. You you feeling like it's it's part of something that's bigger than yourself. Absolutely. Um so man, like I started off, I wanna thank you again. Um as we wrap up, I want to I got sent these. Yeah. Uh I wanted to show this to my brother. I'm showing him some um what it's in it's important for me to vote. Mm-hmm because so many people were not allowed to and they were killed yeah literally uh literally killed um and this is on the display that's in memphis mm-hmm. um and there's a there's just a lot of things that i didn't get a chance to go myself yeah uh somebody went and my barber actually shouts out to roshan um went and was like you you would love this yeah and yeah, well, voting is voting. Voting is important, and that's yeah. what you you know those pictures, that history, that's proof positive, yeah. right? If somebody is is willing to kill you, if if it's state sanctioned violence, yeah. that you know, and this has been documented. This is not me talking uh, my opinion. You know, and it's state sanctioned violence to prohibit people from that. It's important. That's right. Right. So it's something there. Um, so I'm gonna thank you for sharing that information. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience around a criminal justice system and, and organizing against mass incarceration. Want to end on, on a lighter note, considering all the, the heaviness uh, that's been involved in this conversation. But first, how can listeners learn more about and plug into the work you got going on um, in the community? Uh, well, okay, so Definitely hit me on Facebook, um, Ed Genesis on Facebook. You can go to Michigan United's website, um, which is just Michigan United. Um, also, go to Isaac. We do a lot of work on uh, anti-gun violence and just a lot of community outreach. Uh, also, go to Speak It Forward. We do a lot of mentoring and with the youth. Um, TRHT, which is Truth, Racial Healing, Transformation, Kalamazoo. Um, and we also do the Truth Talk, um, which is like a platform where we have community conversations. And yeah, yeah, uh, or Google me too. Yeah, and yeah you can you, check out some you, of the. You got a website? I do, but uh, it's oneedgenesis.com. You can go to that. There's there's things there, but I'm still working on a lot of that. The number one or the only number one. Okay. Edgenesis.com. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean you got so much going on. You need a site. It's it centralized. Just takes them everywhere. Yeah. That's that's why I made it one Ed Genesis because it's like it's so many different things, but it's one spot for everything. So I'm just okay finalizing that. Yeah. Okay, and then we got the one two punch, right? So one, let's know one immediate thing that folks should do regarding this issue and two like medium to long-term solutions uh well first of all we we have to be educated so i 
I would ask everybody, anybody listening, to just um, start diving into what is um, Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a great read and explains a lot of different things. Um, 13th, which is still currently on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can become more familiar with what we are up against as a society, um, then we can start making the necessary approaches together. And this also eliminates a lot of... um, non-blacks feeling like this is just a problem for just me right it hits me probably first or disproportionately yeah. but it, it it hits us all um yes, and so true. that would be the the one punch and then two become involved um just watching these things or just reading these things are are not uh enough growing up we watched gi joe which said no one is half the battle mm-hmm. when i got older i realized the other half of the battle was application yeah um, so no one is half the battle but applying what you know is the other half of the battle mm-hmm. so that's what i would say cool then give us a six-word vision for the community mine is a community without poverty and racism like that um so i would say uh community with love and respect is that six not sure yeah that is six okay yeah I, Boom. I think more love and respect will open up a lot of doors sometimes can't just be super emotional can't no. just be super heady but yeah maybe if we can meet somewhere in the middle man build basic building blocks man love and respect um and then these some light questions my colleague melody uh i think she came up with some of these and she yeah she she really pushed for this mm-hmm. but it's is again light stuff what are you reading currently i just uh well here we go so <laughs> currently i just broke open I broke back open YBI, which is the story of Bush Jones from Detroit. Okay. Um, young, YBI is Young Boys Incorporated. Yep. Um, he, he detailed um, his life of um, exactly some of the things we're talking about, coming from extreme bouts of poverty in Detroit yep. um, to becoming a major a, drug dealer. A millionaire. He made, he made a lot of money yeah. during the... the the uh drug era and went to prison in detroit yeah 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 and i i just broke that book back open actually okay uh what's on your nightstand uh toothpick case yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) toothpicks toothpicks he's that's his signature trademark uh what you have for dinner last night what did i eat uh pizza Ate pizza last night. I had to taste for thin crust cheese pizza. That's it. Yeah, plain Jane. Yeah. As flashing now, if, if, if nobody's ever seen Ed Genesis, <laughs> uh, you can Google him, and this is he's not photo shy. So there's plenty of pictures, <laughs> and yeah, to to visually see him in the physical, in in all his splendor, and then to hear it's like oh yeah, I just. Plain cheese pizza. It's, a, it's crazy. Confounds me. 
to this day. But um, oh, this is another question Mel like to ask. It's it's a good one, I think. But like, what do you do for self care in order to show up? Oh, that's a good one. Um, and so I, I like to read. Um, I I want to. Let me make sure I'm clear about this, though. So some of the things that I read oftentimes are more spiritual mm-hmm. when, when it's self-care time. Um, I like to walk with, in my community and yard work. Uh, I, I really kind of like the peace and tranquility of uh, getting the yard together and stuff. So Yard work, anything in particular, like gardening? Uh, no, I don't really do the gardening. I just like to like really like landscaping, kind of making okay. things look look a little better. I like trimming bushes and stuff like that. Okay, shoot, I have to put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's dope, man. Um, I said the first episode that I had struggled coming up with an ending, uh, how to end the show, and you know, you know me, I I'd like to make it plain and keep it real. I ain't fancy with it. So I'm quoting uh, hip hop impresario uh, Russell Simmons, Def Comedy Jam. Yeah. You know, uh, God bless and good night. Yeah. You know, another great episode. Again, I want to thank you for everything you bring to the table. What you're doing for the community, in the community, and, and for the community. And um, yeah, this this probably won't be the last time we have you on, man. Yeah. So thank you. Likewise, thank you for all of what you're doing. Uh, and thank you for having me, honestly. All right. Peace. All right, till the next time. Peace out, people. All right.